The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah. Out of his cave. Hey everyone, this is James from Cave Dweller Music. Today we have Glendon with us. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you on board. For anyone who doesn't know Glendon, he is involved in Down With Rent and he has a project called Burning Books. Uh, thanks for coming on. And did you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Glendon. I, I'm 27 years old. I live in a town called Willimantic, Connecticut. Um, I play bass in a hardcore punk band called Down With Rent for the past um eight or nine years and uh and i play kind of a, a doomy ambient um solo project under the name burning books pretty much since the pandemic so those are my two projects awesome how long have you been in uh down with rainfall since 2013 it was about when i graduated high school and then we started playing shows in 2015 nice so yeah it's been a while yeah i uh well brendan told me about your bands and then i've been checking them both out and yeah absolutely love uh the energy from down with rent some really powerful yeah. stuff there i'm glad i'm glad you like it that is the thing we strive for more than yeah. anything yeah well that and i mean I, I love the the lyrics as well like the messages in the albums thanks i appreciate that I mean, yeah, I, uh, yeah we, we've always been a, a a politically forward group. That was something we agreed upon going into it. So. I like the fact yeah. that you you still get the message across, but you also do like a little bit of tongue in cheek humor. Um, yeah, we try to be funny sometimes. Yeah, too. It, it makes it a little bit, you know, it makes it a bit more accessible and palatable for some people who don't necessarily love straight up political stuff. So, right, right, right. right. It's like a, a dead, dead candies type approach. Yeah, exactly. That's like that was one of the big when I first joined, that's what they, they my guitarist told me that they wanted to do a, uh, just a dead Kennedy's ripoff band. And then it very nice. quickly became not that, but that was, that was one of the primary early influences was, uh, like fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. Awesome. I mean, if you're going to rip off like one of the great punk bands, they're one of the best ones. To That'd be the one opinion. to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the fact that you have an album called entitled millennial scum. <laughs> the second i saw that i started laughing like that's that's a great that's a great album title <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> so how did you guys come up with the name down for rent uh that was uh it, the, i think the name was decided before i actually joined it because it was uh i think it was a band for about eight months before i had actually uh begun to participate in it and it was the thing from my um my guitar player knew it it was apparently something that was chanted during the revolutionary war nice by um you know with taxation without representation and all that and i guess like that was the thing being yelled in the streets and then he googled it to see if any band had taken the name and no one had so that's the name we've been stuck with <laughs> right <laughs> oh that's that's actually pretty cool that has a meaning behind it but it also totally suits the uh the theme of the band yeah right I think so too. brendan and did you say you'd seen uh this this band live so I um, actually had uh, fell down a like internet. Uh, it wasn't internet. Well, um, Bandcamp kind of wormhole after seeing um, I was at Grim Business, and I was like, "Oh, Connecticut band, ah, Connecticut band, ah." And then um, so I confused them because they have a they have a similar energy, uh, you know, just like in your face, like. 
um, you know, punk hardcore. So, yeah, I did not actually see them. Oh, okay. I must have gotten that yeah. confused with someone else. We yeah. did discuss this prior before where he thought he'd seen us and, oh, and okay. seen someone similar. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Being. No, it was yeah, it was a similar similar band, um, but still awesome. Uh, uh, I'd love to actually check you guys live when you do it. Where do you um, usually play when you uh, guys do that? We uh, in Connecticut, we used to play at Cherry Street all the time. Um, Cherry yeah. Street Station in Wallingford for those that for those that don't know. Um, but we played a lot of shows at the Wham Leg, also in Wallingford. Um, Brooklyn Cafe was another one in Waterbury. Um, but we haven't been in many... We, we, we played a lot of shows this past year. Um, I think more shows out of state than we ever have and way more than we actually played in state. So it was, so for Connecticut shows, it's been pretty slim pickings lately. Yeah. Where were you uh, guys out playing this summer? We played with... Um, we did a weekend with Perennial. I don't know if y'all know Perennial at all, but excellent band. If you get, if you're, if you need to, uh, a New England kind of, uh, they're they're on the they're like an art punk dance punk type thing. They have an album called In the Midnight Hour that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but we did a weekender with them where we went to um, Philly, Baltimore, and uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and then we played. Um, couple weeks later we have a, a, a close friend who lives down in virginia who we've known for years at this point but he plays in a band uh, like a hardcore punky southern type band called betty gray uh and we did a weekend with them we did three shows in virginia in chesapeake charlottesville and richmond and nice. both weekends were fantastic they were some of the best times that we've ever had as a group so that's it yeah it was a good time it's been a good year Nice. So what made you uh what made you stop burning books? Because that's kind of like the complete opposite of down with rent as far as energy goes. Yeah, I would agree. Um <laughs> that was <laughs> I um I've always made music by myself. Um I made a lot of it before the pandemic, but I never had a I never had a name for it. Um I, I used to do like a because I went to school for music. So I went to school actually in the in the town that I live in, um at Eastern Connecticut State University. And there were a few times where I got to kind of I got to sort of make pieces um and i had the chance to perform a couple of them uh on my up my electric upright bass which is an instrument that i've had um for a while and i've always enjoyed playing it but i'm not i'm not i'm not particularly good at playing it but i have a pedal board and that makes up for the fact that you can't play things and um <laughs> it uh so it began probably I don't know when I was probably when I was in high school, but I didn't formally like the pandemic was the primary inspiration for me to finally like just make stuff and just put it out on the internet, basically, and just have pe have people listen to it, whether or not it's it, like I, like I can I record stuff in my uh, in my apartment. I'm not particularly good at recording either, but I just thought that I would be care less about that and be as prolific as I can be during a time where I wasn't doing anything else. And it just it was like it was a source of fulfillment. It made me happy, you know. So then yeah. from there, I, play, I played a, a handful of shows. Um, I'm looking to play more. That's something I'm investing a lot of time in doing. I'm trying to record something. Um, yeah, so a couple of years, I'd say I've been taking it seriously since about 2020. That's awesome. Nice. I, feel, I feel like the pandemic is kind of like ushered in a golden age of uh, underground music. I know. It's yeah, so I 100% agree. Yeah. 
It's just I think like, a lot of like a lot of my my friends did you know very very similar things to me where they just kind of they just used it as an excuse to do this stuff that they've always wanted to do. You know, right? Well, and, that's um, that's, and, that's us too. Like I'm trying to stick with it, but like, but you know, it's like because the, the pri- I think the primary reason is people just wanted to feel like you know some semblance of normalcy or get fulfillment out of something since they couldn't leave their house and the world was completely fucked and arguably still is. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. <laughs> not arguably i take that back not arguably at all is still completely fucked and, oh, yeah. Um, yeah yeah i mean we uh that was us too we started cave dweller during the pandemic too so totally get it wanted to make something positive oh i did sh- not know that oh. I, thought yeah. it was, I thought it was significantly older than that no we we, it's, we just kind of sprung up and it's just been going ever since oh. just, yeah <laughs> well you guys do great work thank you very hey. much uh, thanks for contributing man that article you wrote was fantastic yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. I'd love to do that more. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to have more from you. Great. So Dungeon Synth, is that like an area that you're interested in? or? So that is, I did not know Dungeon Synth existed uh, oh. until uh, around the pandemic. Um, and I stumbled upon, it was some YouTube channel. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but it was basically a historical recollection of, of Dungeon Synth. And I thought, because obviously I clicked on something that said Dungeons and because to me it's on its face, it's a ridiculous name for music. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and then I and I really enjoyed everything that I heard, and I thought it was like kind of it, it, like I loved all the sounds, and I thought mm-hmm. it was completely insane that people used old like '90s and '80s synthesizers to make music about like dragons and Tolkien <laughs> yeah. type stuff. Like I just thought it was really like it's just it was just a really fascinating type of music for me um and like right. and the culture behind it and then i had found silencio permanente the uh, uh group i'd written about and i they were my favorite thing that i'd found um in the whole genre right okay so when you would when i found yours you said you were looking for people to contribute i was like this is this is who i want to write about so. right it's a very interesting oh, yeah. album i i hadn't heard it until you i read your review so thanks for putting me on to that oh you're welcome it's uh, because people people say that black metal is a niche genre, but I, I think people who say that haven't discovered Dungeon Synth because I don't think you can really get that much more niche than Dungeon more synth. niche than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, yeah, that music is made Dungeon Synth subgenres and see what uh, what people have written about that. Then we'll find a real niche that has about exactly. five people listening to it. Well, there right. is one called Dino Synth, which is a subgenre of Dungeon Synth, which is dinosaur themed Dungeon Synth. Oh my god! <laughs> There's yeah. a couple of a couple of artists in that space. Well, I think one's called um, is it Diplodocus? I think it's called Diplodocus. He's got like six Ooh, or seven that's a, albums. That's a good dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I have a a buddy uh, I went to high school with, and uh, he uh, lives in Japan and hangs out. He's got like this cool, like kind of like crust black and crust thing going on but then he does this um dungeon synth uh mage cup check it out it's pretty cool okay yeah to confirm it is diplodocus and he has three albums <laughs> three albums wow yeah wow. <laughs> the uh oh just good for them. not necessarily dungeon synth but the uh that cat um themed um slam was ridiculous james Oh, that was yeah. That album made me pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, yeah. to add to that that dungeon synth topic, the dino synth. There is one called Synthosaurus as well, 
which has like eight, like 12 or 13 albums. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, there's actually a, a genre tag on Bandcamp called Dinosynth. I did not know that until now. Oh, my and, God. Uh, I'm going to Google that when this is over. Yeah, if you if just search Google search Dinosynth, and the first thing that comes up is the Bandcamp genre tag, and you can just explore that because that's a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What about um? Have you have you ever gone into like uh, the retro wave synth wave stuff? No, I'm being completely honest. Like, uh, so synth was another that was another pandemic thing for me because I okay. uh, actually I took a uh, shout out to another another group from San Francisco. They're called Dogbotic, and they were a um, like a an audio lab um uh, group that does a lot of like social activism but they did a lot of during the pandemic they did a lot of like remote workshops over zoom about like building your own synthesizers and stuff like they would send you a kit with all with um resistors and all sort of basic electronic components and there was like a weekly meeting that i did that was my favorite actually moments in 2020 it was like four weeks that i spent with all these crazy weirdos across the country um but that was my first foray into any sort of synth like type music or production or anything about like i did i couldn't even really formally define what a synthesizer was before that point okay um so but like i i mean i definitely i spent a lot of time listening to you know very synth heavy music in my youth Mm -hmm. um uh like crafts work and stuff like that like my dad played a lot of um uh like house music uh josh wink i don't know if anybody's familiar with with him or um osric tentacles or Eat static things like that so i'm definitely it was stuff i was familiar with but as far as like actually playing it or working with it i had never done anything like that until the pandemic and then i sort of fully then i kind of understood how a synthesizer worked um i'm talking like i know it now i just still have no absolutely nothing and it's definitely it's something i, I didn't really uh, like I, I bought it I, uh, a synthesizer that's way too it was way too expensive for my skill set and it's and now it's, it's collecting dust in my studio so that's awesome. <laughs> you can you can like level up into it basically. So yeah, right. that's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm wearing my grandfather's coat or something. Eventually, I'll get big enough to wear it. Exactly. Yeah, one of those yeah. old uh, like vintage coats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you actually kind of touched on another topic I wanted to ask you about um, inadvertently, which was growing up. What sort of got you into alternative and underground music? Um. Well, it's, it's my primary musical influences are my my. I always say my my dad's the first one. He's he's from England, okay. and he was a um, he was like a punk kid. Um, but he also loved uh, like I he's punk, funk, and reggae are the three things that he listened to the most, with a sprinkling of house and other things like that. Um, like he loves swans um as well. Okay. So I like I he was a very very eclectic taste in it. But but the main thing that I grew up listening to was was punk music. Nice. Um. So like Sex Pistols, Bad Brains are my Desert Island punk band. Um. Nice. Later, Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, Minor Threat, all those those I found kind of by myself in high school because he didn't really like a lot of the uh, like the American hardcore shit besides besides Bad Brains. Um, okay. Um. Yeah, that's and then my mom, who's another musical influence, who I used to like never bring up as a child, but now I realized had a, a profound impact on me. She loves like Ani DeFranco and Tori Amos and a lot of like um just very powerful um feminist vocally driven music, which I okay. as a kid and I did this a lot with my dad as well, but I used to pretend to hate the music that my parents liked, and now I've come to love it. It's like my some of my favorite music of all time. Um like so I guess and then, 
Say again? It's like comfort music. Yeah, definitely. And there's like there's a lot of it, thankfully. And I can I can relate to both my parents through music. Neither of them are musical. They don't play music. Um, I'm the only one in my family that really does. But they out they are all. Everyone in my family is a, very, a big appreciator of art and and weird stuff. So like that's always been a great thing for me to draw on. That's awesome. Yeah, and then for like for the underground, for like when I started getting into like like falling like as you said, Brendan, about Bandcamp rabbit holes. I think I found Bandcamp when I was maybe seventeen, and yeah. I was so so excited because before that, the way I found music was either in my dad's CDs or vinyl stuff, and then YouTube rabbit holes. But then Bandcamp was like a way to actually just talk to i mean not to, like just engage with artists on like a almost a local level you know more of like a like a one-on-one connection i used to think of music kind of like this is a silly analogy but like the branches of government where there was like kind of like the big <laughs> the big sort of nationwide acts and then there was like the ones below that and then Bandcamp to me was like the local government of music <laughs> where it was like like <laughs> the, the smallest type stuff with the smallest audiences and i used to as a child, used to feel really cool when I had a band that no one else knew from Bandcamp, and now it's now I'm on it. Now it's just how I communicate with a lot of people. It's, it's funny how it's come full circle a bit. Yeah. So, how do you feel about the purchase, like how, them being purchased, and, and the changes that are being implemented with Bandcamp? So, um, in general, not a fan. Um, yeah. I am a fan of the fact that I there's an app for streaming. Um, yes. But I think it's only a matter of time before it, you know, just becomes another thing that just takes advantage of artists and doesn't pe- pay people their fair share. Although I like, I'm not sure how it'll go down because the whole appeal of Bandcamp was that it was such an egalitarian pro-artist platform. So I don't exactly. know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm like, my hopes are not high. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are kind of holding their breath at the moment. Yeah. Those. Yeah, some of the stuff they've done so far. There's a couple of cool features they've added, but some of like the cultural changes they're making there, is a little concerning. Yeah, um, and I think and people that people that have used the platform for years are, I think, are understandably upset. You know, definitely right. It's not like the company has a great track record of like being artist or user friendly either. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. So, which is why I think, like I just talked about, the like the app for streaming makes it great for me to be able to listen to my friends' bands in a very easily accessible thing in my car on my phone. But I'm not going to let that not going to let them use that to win me over, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I I don't know if it's true, but I've, the latest thing I've seen is that uh, any artists that they deem as I guess like problematic that they can't boot off, they're removing them from the search function. So you can't uh, oh, find that. Yeah, I've seen a couple oh. of people saying that they can no longer find their own page on there, but you can link to it directly from a website type thing. So, yeah, okay. If that's so the they're case, shadow banning is essentially basically shadow banning. Yeah, it's okay. I, I don't know how, actually, how true it is, but I've seen a couple of people posting about that in the last seven to ten days or so. So okay. if, if it is real, it's very recent. Yeah, that's a shame. Of course, it's like you just said you don't know how real it is but it's like i could i mean there's no reason they wouldn't do that it's like right i mean they're big enough where like they they if anyone they can do that no problem and they can very easily get away with it so why wouldn't they do it i don't know yeah exactly obviously there's some stuff that should be taken off like overtly awful stuff you know what i mean like yeah like anything that's openly like fascist or yeah exactly <laughs> like, exactly yeah. that's that's something yeah that's the type of stuff that you don't you know i wouldn't be like 
upset, upset by them taking that off, obviously. But yeah. if it's like a gray area that's someone's like, oh, just report the album because they, they personally find it offensive, that's a really slippery slope because music's super objective. Agreed. Right. Um, and when you start censoring art for the sake of censoring art, then that's, I mean, that's really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. As you said, slippery slope. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's Ultimately, like, it's a private company. They can do whatever they want, but yeah, you know they're going to drive away a lot of long-time users if they start doing that. Yeah, and they're slowly going to, if again they haven't done it yet, but they could very easily just start chipping away at all the all the reasons that people love Bandcamp or the people the reasons that people use it to begin with. You know, exactly right. Yeah. To find like artists, local people, you know, like yeah. Anyone can, you know, go to on YouTube and this and that, but then you have like, you want to get physical things or like you want to, you know, just listen to music and check it out. Like it's just such a, it's a, it's the best avenue, you know? Yeah. Or for just for directly supporting an artist is like, yeah. is right. the, is like the main, the primary selling point of band. Generally, you know, and generally too, like if you like email somebody on there from there, you know, what I mean, you're speaking this like basically like the bands, you know, or like very close to it, you know. So yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, a couple of people in the music industry are talking like uh, I don't know what's going to come of it, but talking about making their own platforms, I guess, um, owned by artists, operated by artists for artists type thing. So we'll see what happens there. Sure. But, uh, I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, I think as far as the big streaming platforms go, and Brandon, I know Brandon, you agree with me on this. As far as the big, like major streaming platforms go, Tidal is a long shot better than a lot of the other ones. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, we got to hop we, on that family plan too. Yeah, we both made the change, but there's, there's a couple of reasons. One, it pays the highest by far of any of them to the artist per stream. Two, whichever artist you listen to each month the most gets a portion of your monthly subscription. Uh, which I think is really cool. Um, right. And then three, it's got like every so much stuff that's in like ma vinyl master quality, audio quality, which is just awesome. Oh, um, okay. So it's, yeah. it sounds, it's it sounds so way better. Oh, yeah, so it's, I didn't, exactly. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So, so it's not just Spotify throwing out fractions of a cent and having people fight for the biggest streaming number. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah. still, it's still to some extent that, but the, the payment is like, I think, a whole decimal point higher than, than Spotify per stream. Um, a bucks, you know, here and there. I, yeah. I, and I like the fact that they get a port, like your favorite artist gets a portion of your subscription yeah. every month. It was um, funny, uh, by accident, uh, when James and I got back from the Maryland Death Festival, um, I was like, we were, I was super excited about seeing bird flesh and figuring that was a thing. And, um, <laughs> their albums are like it's grindcore you know so it's like but it's like party grindcore and um but all the songs are like super short so like you listen to like three albums and you got down 60 songs so it was like boom automatically went right to them you know and i was like all right title that's awesome i mean i totally <laughs> <laughs> title loves grindcore got it yeah <laughs> I mean, like the other thing I found as well is that there's a lot of artists that refuse to use Spotify that are on Tidal that I could find on there, which is kind of cool. Um, right, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they actually have the biggest uh, library, bigger than even the Apple Music on there. Yep. Wow. 
Yeah. I'm, not, uh, I'm, not, I'm not. We're not being paid by them to say this. Um, they know the no, not, not, yeah. not an ad. Not an ad. Got it. <laughs> no, yeah, I just. No, I just I, I, we both just I genuinely left. were impressed by it. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be cool if it was. But yeah, no, that's it's <laughs> genuinely like a great app. It's a great music streaming service. Um, you know, obviously, if you're listening to it on headphones that are wireless, you're, it's going to go to lower quality than master. You know, it's going right. to do whatever like mp3 so um i mean there's that but it's still um even yeah. with headphones though, i have like some pretty expensive bluetooth headphones a couple hundred bucks type thing and it, it, it's a noticeable quality difference between like master quality yeah. on that and, and spotify quality hmm. um yeah and then i don't know about you brendan but as well like the algorithms like fantastic what it recommends yeah like uh, and I'll throw, it's way better than like Spotify. Like I used to hate it when anyone lis- would listen to like, if I like, you know, someone wanted to listen to something different than what I was listening to, I'd be so mad that it would like mess up the algorithm because yeah. it would be like one song would turn into like a month of me trying to figure out the rest of my life, like on that <laughs> app. And I was like, Oh my God. And now, and then this is just nice. It's, it's really good. And, I also like how you can, you know, look through the recommended artists and all that stuff. I don't know. Nonetheless. Um, Spotify algorithm, dude. It, it, it's like, if you, you know, the band fleet foxes it was father. John Misty was in it for a while. Yes. It's like this indie band. So I, we had like a barbecue at my in-laws house and they asked me to put some music on. I was like, well, what's like inoffensive that no one will complain about. Okay. I'll put fleet foxes on. I, I played like one of their albums. I swear to God one time. And then for two years, like last year and the year before, I said my favorite band for my Spotify wrap-up was Fleet Foxes. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember listening to like one song. It was like, you listened to this song like, like 977 times. And I'm like, no. When when did I do that? I, I definitely didn't do that. Like, there's no way. <laughs> Just playing on repeat while you sleep. <laughs> i mean it could have happened but i don't think that happened I, I would have noticed you know what i mean like oh boy you know like how is this happening this is uh this is bullshit almost a thousand times wow yeah there's um a lot of i don't know there's a lot of um cool things about it so outside of music uh hobbies and interests anything else that you you're into uh yeah, I love um I love cooking. Um nice. Yeah, um love cooking at home, love trying to like I, I usually I I watch a lot of food YouTube. That's probably the second most um speaking of algorithms, those, those are the things that pop up on my uh on my YouTube yeah. feed. Um and I'll find something that uh like something that kind of challenges me a little bit, like something I've never really done before and I'll try and do it like as best as I can you know, within reason, like with the equipment that I have. But um, yeah, like I started cooking probably, I think after I left uh, undergrad was kind of when I, when I basically, when I moved out of my parents' house is when it started uh, uh, becoming like a serious hobby, something I really enjoyed, like just being able to just feed people something nice, makes me feel nice. I, do, I get fulfillment out of it. I enjoy the act of cooking. I also like, I'm like the, I'm the person who cooks for the holidays for my family. So like, and I enjoy that. Like, it's like, you know, a two day affair of getting all the, all my, all my mise en place and going to the grocery store. Like I like all the shit that surrounds cooking as well. And oh, yeah. 
I'm uh, I'm exactly the same. It's like uh, one of my favorite like pastimes is cooking, and nice. I uh, I try to always like branch out to different cuisines and try new recipes constantly. And yes, yeah, I'm the same. I, I always like to experiment and see what I can do. And like it, it sucks if I fail, but at least I try and then I'll get it next time type thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. and Brandon, you were a chef, so I, I would I used to yeah I used to cook professionally for a while. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Good times. Good times on my feet all day. Yeah, <laughs> all day, almost every day, sometimes. Uh, it's uh, such a fun group of people to work with, though. Like, so many cool people. Yeah. Part of every, um, every, kitchen, like every kitchen I've like, ever interacted with has always been like, it reminds me of a pirate ship crew, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. 100%. Like, so this, yeah. Lots of bandanas, lots of lots of drug use, lots of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've had a lot of chef friends over the years, and every single one of them was into something, basically. Yeah, and all, all smokers. Yeah, well, they're all fucking lunatics. Is like what I like. It's like it reminds me a bit of because um, I, I like I think food and music are a lot are very similar, and they're kind of um, they're like what's the word like ephemeral is the word like they don't last very like it's like you you prepare food in the same way that you kind of you make it like when you listen to a song someone actually told me this i remember i was taking a uh it was a piano lesson when i was a teenager and i i, I didn't play piano it was because my bass teacher wasn't in so he was like a substitute but the thing that he said that really stuck with me was that when you are making music and you're listening to a song when the song is over you don't there's nothing at the end of it whereas like if you're if you're painting something at the end of it you have a painting that you can then show or like if you're making a car when you're done building it there's a car at the end but like when you've when you've made a song and you're listening to it there's silence like there's nothing there and i think that and when you're done eating something as beautiful as it looks and as wonderful as it tasted it's just an empty plate so that kind of i always found that those were kind of like similar experiences and so i it's all i think it's only natural that the same type of crazy weirdos would be attracted to cooking making music things like that you know right definitely yep i can see that <laughs> <laughs> i never thought about it that way but that's actually a really interesting perspective that just, yeah, that, oh, always, right. that always stuck with me i always found that really i don't know that's found that an interesting perspective i'd never heard anything like that either and i was like oh shit he's right i don't know why but the second you said that it made me think of anthony bourdain who i absolutely adore like yeah, that, so it, like top top between three and five people that have inspired me most in my entire life are it's yeah anthony bourdain i watched his shows and ate weird shit and i love it i love it yeah. oh my I, god thank yeah. you sir yes uh, rest in peace have you rest seen the um the movie about his life on, i have uh, not yeah. I'm kind of, like have you seen it because i'd like yes I, yeah. I, I will see it i know i will see it eventually but it's just i I str- I struggle to watch it because I'm like I'm I'm sure that it, like you know were he alive he would have very colorful things to say about it so it's like kind of I have to like prepare myself to watch it you know I think it, it yes. gives you like a different perspective on him as a, a human being I guess as opposed to like a personality sure um, yeah so it, it's like it's a, it documents his story from the very beginning before he was famous and all that um, and it kind of shows like when he first started making shows he was actually very awkward. Um, uh-huh. and, and really rigid and didn't really know how to interact with people. Um, right. which is crazy. Like, yeah, I believe like, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, you, like, I would never picture that. But the reason was, is because he, he was trying to do it from like the show's perspective, not from his perspective. And then yeah. 
once he realized like, oh, I can actually have fun with this and like just be these like talk with these people like people, then the whole show right. yeah. changed. Because I feel like when he first like his first um what was it? I think a cook's tour was his first show, and then of course Parts Unknown was yes. the first big one. And he kind of played he played like um and those are great shows. And he does, yeah. you know, do a great job of talking to people from other cultures and do it. But it was also like he had to be like uh like the new york leather jacket you know punk yeah. guy who gets fucked up on his shows all the time and you know yeah. and then so kind of like playing a bit of a caricature which you can kind of of course like i'm talking like i know the guy i never knew him but he, yeah. he, he <laughs> like that he's sort of it's like as a persona sure provided him comfort at some point or provided an easy way for as you said to get over that kind of awkwardness or that sort of inability to to talk to people and then when, when parts unknown came out that's that to me just seemed like him yeah, well, exactly. You know? That was like where he found his groove, and he was like, he was. And he could be, he could be thing. wholly himself, and actually talk to people about things that matter more than just what people are eating. Not That's that why I loved matter, it, though. But, you know, like it, actually getting to the the heart of a of a culture. I found that that show was really good at at doing that. Right. It was like it was that show was everything. That show was like Gonzo journalism. It was like terrible tourism. It was. Yeah. Like yep. meeting people, it was a food show. It was like that. It was everything that show. It was... Eating street food with street people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like once where he goes to like war zones and stuff. He was like, "Have you seen the one in the Congo? That one's crazy as well." Like yes. it's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I love that show. Yeah. Again, rest in peace. Yeah, love Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, I mean, I I I could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but... that's another podcast. Really. Yeah, different podcast. <laughs> right, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, okay, so outside of cooking, um, any other hobbies and interests? Um, I collect things. That's, I suppose that's kind of a hobby. I, co- I, I collect, uh, I enjoy having lots of plants in my house. Um, okay. I collect uh, bones, like skulls and stuff of that nature. Um, that's cool. Yep. Are, I have, are you uh, finding like little... them in nature? Like, do you like go out there? Or are you buying like, uh, like, like carved like cattle skulls? There's a... Um, there's a handful that I've found just from walking. Like I have a, a coyote skull that I found, a deer skull. They're usually in pretty poor shape, you know, because something's been gnawing on them in the woods. But you know, that makes them cool, right? But, right. Um, but a lot, like I used when I was a kid, like you know, like late high school, I used to buy. I got really into it, and I started buying them online. Like when I had like you know tons of disposable income, that's what I would spend it on. Um, so like I have a wolf skull, is like a, a warthog, but like I would also go to. Um, uh, Brandy, you're from over here. Have you ever been to Brimfield? Mm, no, it doesn't sound familiar. The, it's a giant, basically, like, it's a giant East Coast tag sale, like, where, like, tons of antiques dealers, oddity dealers meet in Brimfield, oh, Massachusetts. Right, right. Yeah. And um, how it works is there's, like, a central point where there's tons of, like, where people are selling antique furniture and stuff for, you know, like, thousands and thousands of dollars and then the more you spread out it's like it becomes cheaper and it's people selling tchotchkes it's people whatever but like that's where i used to find a lot of it as well gotcha yeah 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 there used to be like a flea market kind of thing um back where i grew up uh, in new hampshire it was like this huge building that was just like full of antiques and stuff like that yeah it was wild have you uh have you ever heard of uh oddities flea market that's not sure. Right? There's one in New York and there's one in LA now. I, I, I went to the LA one, I think it was last year, earlier this year, but that's a super interesting place. You would love it. They have like a whole section of just skulls and bones, um, but that, including yeah, that human, it, it, including human. 
uh, but they were pretty expensive. That also sounds yeah. They do, they, they go for a lot. Yeah, remember toying with the idea of asking yeah, so my mom for it, a loan to buy a human skull, and then uh, now in my adult <laughs> life, I wrestled with a lot of the uh, moral implications of that, and now I'm less into it. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, if you ever get a chance, uh, the New York one is much closer to you. But if you ever get a chance, definitely try and hit it up. They have. Uh, Every type of like alternative art you can think of, like weird vendors of every type to sell oddities. Um, and then they have like a really cool, normally great music. Uh, the one in LA was hosted by uh, Dead Animal Assembly Plant. The two guys from that did a DJ set. So that's some oh, really yeah. cool, like horror industrial. Um, yeah, it's a fun time. Uh, it, sound, it sounds amazing. <laughs> huh. um, Brendan. We are yeah. approaching the hour, Mark. Uh, do you have any topics you would like to discuss? Because I've been talking too much as usual. <laughs> you're good. You're good. We, we got a lot covered. And, um, uh, well, like Connecticut, is, is, what's your favorite? Pepe's, Modern, or Sally's? Can you list those again, please? Modern A Pizza, Sally's A Pizza. Or Pepe's Pizza. I feel like I gotta go Pepe's. Yeah. Yeah. But I, Pepe. I love Pepe's. Pepe's is great. Yeah. Are these I'm local pizza. pizza? Are these local local pizza chains where you guys live? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's okay. like a, like the Connecticut pizza thing is it's just it's funny because. Like the rest of Connecticut, it's like like it's just a state that just gets overlooked because there's just like two way cooler cities that are right next to Connecticut. But like right. Connecticut has like its own little niche things going on that like yeah. like pizza is one of those. Like I you know I didn't really know there was Connecticut style pizza until I was probably in college and then I had it like when I went down to New Haven, and uh, and it's fucking good. Like it stands toe to toe with pizza from anywhere else. So that's what you yeah. showed me uh, in. Baltimore, right, Brendan? The pictures and all that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they like crispy cheese crust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the coal fire, wood fired style. Like it's, um, it's the you know super hot oven. It's like you know coal. Like you get a nice stone. Yep. It's just we put clams on pizza. Well, that's the other like, thing. Really nice little bit of char. Yep. You can't, it can't be burnt. You know what I mean? But you gotta have some char. Um, just a little bit. You know. I'll eat it's clam good. pizza. Clam pizza sounds pretty good to me. They'll do that. Yeah. It's fucking it is it it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful I'm a, thing. I'm a big seafood guy, so yeah, I love yeah. that. Same. They definitely do that stuff. Um oh, yeah. Have you ever been to uh Satan's Kingdom or like go all those places hiking? No. Like Devil's Hop uh, Yard. I've been to Devil's Hop Yard. Yeah, my girlfriend's from that area. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good that's a good hike. Yeah, it is super nice out that way. How often do you talk to people from Connecticut, Brendan? Um, <laughs> like on this show? Not very. Never, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think I think you're the I think you're the first. Yeah, oh, you might nice. be. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's usually like in the middle of the country or in like you know the West Coast or or, right. or the South. Yeah, the South, yeah, okay. yeah, a lot of Southern Southern um, bands or like musicians, and then obviously yeah, like man. New York. We've had obviously a bunch of people from. Uh, is it possible not to have people from New York at some point? Of course, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's some funny stuff. It's good. Connecticut's sweet. They've got a lot of a lot of neat little um like industrial history with like electric motorcycles and we had the first submarine ever built. And, how much uh, is the uh is this how much is the state of Connecticut paying you for this episode, Brandon? I don't know. <laughs> as much as title is paying us. <laughs> <laughs> Unofficial sponsors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hartford has it. Title of the state of Connecticut. <laughs> fucking funny. And uh, Anthony Bourdain's estate. And Anthony <laughs> yeah. Bourdain's estate, yes. <laughs> Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> you got any other uh, Connecticut questions, Brendan? No, nah, we're good. We can wrap it up. Oh, I, uh, I was going to ask as far as movies go, are you into cinema at all? Or is that something that doesn't interest you? Uh, I just cinema does interest me. Um, okay. It used to interest me a lot more as a child. When I was a kid, I thought I was going to be an actor. Um, I don't like the last the last movie that I really, really enjoyed where it kind of um, touched my soul a bit was uh, The Lighthouse. Oh, I love that movie. Um the, is it A24, A24? I'm not, I, a, like a tw- I think it's A24. The same guys who did The Witch, basically. And I saw both of those movies. And The, the Lighthouse, yeah. I saw it once, and I was like, this is my favorite movie of all time. Where it's basically, it's Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe in black and white on, a, on an island going insane the entire time. Yeah, it was, it was um, definitely something special. Yeah, I love that film so much. So, yeah. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, dude, you have to watch it. Dude, fucking watch it. I, like, like I recommend it to everybody. It doesn't it's... sound familiar. I know those actors, and I don't. And that didn't ring a bell. Robert Pattinson is phenomenal in it, and I yeah. Willem Dafoe is yeah. always fantastic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If have you ever you want to see Willem Dafoe as, as a grizzled sea captain who's stuck on an island, then that's the movie. And who the yeah. fuck? Who doesn't want to see that? I don't know. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Have you ever seen his? Wow. His movie Antichrist. No, uh, that is that's a hard watch. I think I should watch it. Okay, it's it's like it's it's if you can handle. I don't want to give too much away. If you can handle shocking stuff that doesn't like upset you, which I can, oh, but I know, I know some people can't, then definitely watch it. It's okay. it's it's pretty outrageous. You will see his penis. Um, I'm cool oh yeah, that. yep. <laughs> No, cool not that, that's not that's not the shocking part. That's just part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the first penis is not shocking, but it, what happens to it is pretty what happens to it is penises go. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It seems better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that could be the next article I write. A review of Will yeah. and review of Will and Defoe's penis. Uh, yeah. Oh, did you go to the Big E at all? No, I didn't. Actually, I haven't been since fucking a long time ago. I used to go with my family all the time. Yeah, um, I think I think this is the last weekend. I'm not sure. Yeah, I won't go. I I think yeah, it's just I got too much stuff to do. But it's like it's like I don't I enjoy so I enjoy the food a lot. I don't like rides, and I don't like enormous crowds of people just sort of milling around. The only time I'm cool with a crowd is at a at a show. But, yeah, I hear that. So it's like, and, and it used to appeal to me a lot as a kid, obviously, because like it's loud and things are bright and it's fun. And but now, like, I, I just get, I don't know, tired, overwhelmed. But I love the food. That, that'd be the reason I would go back now. I would want like a food tour. Yeah, I hear that. Tons of like, I saw someone had like, um, 
a whole bunch of like brunch things that were like bottomless, like some bottomless, like I don't even know, like pancake. I can't remember what it was. Mm. Damn. Ah, jeez. It was a, a the place to be made it. A place in like West Hartford and Hartford. Okay. It's like the they do a bunch of brunch. Mm. So before we, we finish anything up, this is technically a music podcast, so I have to ask. Um, but it got away from we, us a little bit. You've, little. Gone, you've, gone, you've gone a little bit away from it. I we really ask, did. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what, uh, what are some of your favorite albums from so far this year? Um, I would probably, okay, so I enjoy uh, Chat Pile a lot. I don't know if y'all listen to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure yes. you do. Like, yes. Yeah, so. That was amazing. Yeah, the name's escaping me, but I think it was their first full length. They only had a couple EPs out before that, right? Like, the, yeah. you can help me with the name, but like, I absolutely God, adore God's that country. Record. Yes, yeah. yes, that was it. Yeah, me too. Um, That's in my top ten. Yeah, yep, love that band. Uh, happy for them too. I remember like kind of finding them when they were like kind of like a more of a band camp band, and now they seem to have like like they just they've just. I don't know. They seem hardworking. Like I just really like. I like that the whole thing about that band. I like the. I like the artwork. I like the music. I like the things that do it. Um, I don't know what else. I'm trying to think, what the hell else came out this year? What else I got into? Ether Coven has a badass album. Oh my! I did they put one out this year? Yeah. Oh, I like Ether Coven a lot. They're really good. Yeah. My, uh, oh, uh, dude, uh, Primitive Man. Primitive Man yeah. put out a record this year that was fucking wonderful. Yes, that's like it. Like they're, they're my favorite, um, like, doom metal thing, for sure. I love, like, they're, the, like, my rainy day band. Them and Fjorn. I love Fjorn. Nice. Um, they need to put out something new, <laughs> if you're listening ever. Um, the uh, <laughs> Ether Coburn album is called The Relationship Between the Hammer and the Nail. Okay fucking awesome it's beautiful if you haven't yet check out um ash inspires new album okay that's my that's like hands down my album of the year ash Inspire? yeah that's that's my album of the year that competition i was like struggling to pick my top five and then this one came out and i was like oh that just blows everything else for me out of the water it's called a uh, hostile architecture hostile Ooh. architecture okay oh yeah. like the it's every time i die it's a, uh, I don't know if you've heard them, but they're like super avant-garde, weirdo, black metal stuff. Okay. Um, very jazzy, but like super dissonant. And then... So uh, this might, so I'm not the uh, the most learned black metal fan, but would it fit in the like Death Heaven camp? No, so very different. Um, okay. So okay. I guess like it's, it's I, they don't really compare to anyone. Actually, the closest thing I would say is Akakok, um, which is also from... <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah i don't know how I, I assume that's how you pronounce it it's like a-k-e-r-c-o-k-e sure um uh, like coke. coke maybe i don't know um anyway it, it's like a, it's kind of like spoken word but sh- like sh- screamed but it, it's like insanely political um like okay. the, probably the most political album i've heard this entire year just completely attacking late-stage capitalism wonderful um, yeah very very aggressive in like okay. a, a very unusual way so i know that coming from down with rent you guys would probably appreciate at least the, the political content there uh, oh, yeah, yeah certainly would yeah 
definitely. Yeah, I'll give that a go soon. Um, anything else that stood out to you this year that you can think of? Or? Let me see. Um, what the hell? Uh, oh, there's a bit. I don't think it was this year, but there's a band. Um, I think they're kind of local. I think they might be from Massachusetts, but they're called Restraining Order. Um, okay. And they're like they're like a hardcore punk um, type thing. Uh, very like oh you know what like like a, like a more on the basic type. And I don't I don't mean that as an insult. Like the so- the songs are short, the riffs are easy, but the energy is absolutely cranked up to the maximum. They're just they're great to see live. They're just very oh, yeah. good band. I forget what the what the hell the album was called. But they're a good band that's kind of they're starting to do very well for themselves this year. Um, oh, also the uh, the the chats. Yeah, <laughs> they, like, get fucked. I think was the name of the album. Yeah, that one. That's, yeah. that's been on my rotation in my car. I love that. Speaking of like basic punk shit, like that's that to me just sounds like you know Descendants, Dead Kennedys, but like I don't know. It's that's an awesome record. So I I actually moved here from Australia. Um, I can I, tell. I saw the chats in a pub before, like when they were still kind of getting big and it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty solid show. Um, they attract a very specific type of crowd in Australia. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, see, I, yeah, I wondered, I wondered about that. I always like, like when like other big scenes, like, cause obviously there, there's a handful of decent sized cities in Australia. Australia is massive. So I'd always wonder how the, how that would like just just being like a local band in a place that's completely foreign to me just sounds it's like and them being a prime example of that it's like they fascinate me as a group and the fact that they're doing like people so many people are listening to their album and i'm like how like how did you how did know, this come keep, about and like, they, and like keep, they, they played with like queens of the stone age and shit too mm-hmm. like the, good for them that's fucking awesome they, they keep playing coachella i was like it's this is crazy um because <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing is that people outside of Australia wouldn't even get 90% of the cultural references that they're making because they're, uh, there's a term called bogan in Australia, which is like a, I have to word this carefully. Um, it's, I guess the closest thing in the U S would be white trash, but it's okay, more than sure. that because you get people in the city and in the country that identify as being bogan. And it's, it's kind of like, it's a working class thing but it's also like there's more to it than that. And that's so, what could it be like, is it, a, is it a point of, it's a point of pride for some people and an insult for others. Is that exactly, exactly okay. correct. Yep. Uh, so I guess the closest term would be like when people hear say redneck or like redneck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like so, people, I'm assuming people would probably use it as an insult and then eventually people just found pride within that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, okay. um, like well-kept mullets. Yeah. Well, mullets are part uh, of that. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. mullets are part well, of that. Like, well-kept mullets and then, like, you know, um, just, like, drinking, you know, trash beers and... Yep, exactly. You, you get it. Breaking that's bottles it. with your Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's it. And then the, their music is bogan punk. So that's their whole aesthetic. Uh, and then okay. a, a lot of their content is very rooted in, like that culture and then a lot of it's like insider humor and a lot of slang. So for me, it's interesting how many people outside of Australia like it because they definitely wouldn't even understand half of what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first found them, I like the first thing I did was Google what Smoko was because I, had exactly. assumed, that Sm- I assumed that Smoko was some sort of like 
drink. <laughs> or, right, the, or that it was like bath salts or something. Yeah. <laughs> like a, shit that people did like down under. <laughs> exactly. It just means you're on break. <laughs> yeah. And I, I yeah. think that made the song it like, it, I made me love the song all the more because it's like, oh, it's just about a dude who's fucking annoyed that someone's talking to him on a smoke break. Like, I relate mm. to that. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, and then like when they talk about like in that song when he's talking about how he called Centrelink and couldn't get his payment, Centrelink's uh, Australia's welfare. Ah, so that's, okay, right. Yeah, so that's so be again, like the doll, then. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So that's again yeah. part of that whole like bogan culture thing. Um, yeah, so th- there's it's quite nuanced in some ways, but also very surface level in other ways. Sure. I'm, well, I, I'd like to. I'm very happy that I've had a, an Australian expat explain that to me. Because it makes me love the band even more. I'm glad. Because like, before, like I just, just when I first heard it, I was like, "This is bratty as shit." Like that was like the main, like it was like the that type of just like throw a smash a forty on the ground and give the finger to a cop and then get arrested type punk. And that's yeah. which, like which made their popularity all the more like confounding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so now that you understand that where they're coming from, it, it would make it even more confusing how they got so popular. Because to me, it was like an enigma. It's like it's like Dion Word from South Africa. Like, yeah, th- right, there's right. so much there that's like an insider thing. If because I, I was born in South Africa, oh, okay. um, so I mean that's another thing for me. I'm like it's so interesting that that blew up because there's so much that they reference and like the Afrikaans lyrics and everything it's yeah. And then they just had this massive global appeal. I was like, that's so interesting. Hmm. Cause they are, they're the equivalent of that same subculture in South Africa, which is, it's uh it's an Afrikaans word. This is a uh, home, which is okay. uh, basically uh <laughs> white trash as well. Um, sure. But they, there's another subculture in there called Zef. Which is which you probably hear if you've listened to their music, you hear them talk about Zef all the time, which okay. is similar to a Bogan culture type thing, a, a point of pride. Um, huh. So both those acts, they they're similar in my mind for that aspect. They're both from that same subculture in different countries, but they made it big overseas. That's fascinating. Yeah, sorry if I'm rambling. Um, no, no, it's like I don't, I'm I'm happy to learn that honestly. Yeah, this, this is the first time that they've come up on the podcast, either of them. So it's like, oh, I can finally talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> My moment has arrived. Yeah, I, I studied anthropology at university and history. So for me, it's like all that stuff's fascinating. Oh, that's great. Yeah, see, I my when I, I studied music and my concentration was music cultures and ethnomusicology and shit. So oh, like, I love, awesome. love all this, all this stuff. I, okay, I, I have a project I'm going to send you after this called Wow Wow Collective. Okay. Um, which you will find fascinating, which is uh, the whole band, I guess, if you call it, that's a collective really, is sure. a anthropology experiment from a music professor, basically, who um, collaborated between African musicians and people in, uh, I think it was Scandinavia, and made this like super fascinating album that combines like six or seven different genres. Um, it's very cool. They have a new album coming out very soon that I'm super excited for. Uh, right. But I'll send, I'll send you the first one. You'll, you'll find yes, it fascinating. Please. Okay, cool. Um, Brendan, anything else you want to cover before we timed out? Um, nah, I think we're good. We covered everything really. Like, yeah. Cool. Um, so I always like to ask us at the end, but is there anything that's coming up for you from, uh, down with rent or burning books or anything else you're working on that people should keep a lookout for? 
yes. Um, for those listening, um, Down With Rent, we are uh, close to the recording stages for an EP called Shithead Americana. <laughs> <laughs> it's four tracks. It's some of my favorite music that we've ever made. Um, uh, and we're all in agreement on that. I think we're just, it's just, we're just, we're very happy with the stuff that we've, we've created um, this past year. Like I said, it, it was a good year for, um, for us as a group. Um, and then for myself, for Burning Books, I have also the recording stages for um, an EP that's more like the stuff that I play live, which is uh, like more of the doom um, metal type stuff, because that's, that's who I wind up playing shows with is lots of like black metal and alternative groups. And they they love what I do. So I want to play more stuff like that. And nice. um, and that's that's called that's uh, that will be Wyndham County Drown is the name of the uh, EP forthcoming eight tracks. Nice. So. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So those are two projects coming out. That I'm very excited to to release, uh, and I'll probably be sending both of them over to Cave Dwellers so they can get some glowing reviews. I'm sure. Please Thanks. do. We would love to check them out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very excited to hear that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah, you too. And uh, if you ever want to come on again or bring any of your bandmates on next time, uh, just let us know. We'd love to have you back. Great. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. Great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, We'll be back next time with another guest. 